Welcome to Manufacturing Talk Radio, your source for breaking news, business trends, and economic forecasts here and abroad that impact one-third of America's economy. And now your hosts, Lou Weiss and Tim Grady. And welcome to this episode of Manufacturing Talk Radio. We are going to be talking about the Global Purchasing Managers Index or Indices, an outlook across uh, Europe, Asia, South America, uh, Australia. So that's what we look at once a month with Norbert Orr, who will join us shortly. Lou, this uh, looks like the flock of uh, starlings are continuing to move up and to the right, which is good. Yeah, that looks like they're going north for the winter. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> uh, yeah, this report looks uh, pretty good. And, and, and I must start off with, uh, before we do our intro, I must start off with the fact that Brazil, my favorite other country, is now really at record heights for this time period. And certainly, <laughs> actually, I think they're the highest on the uh, Entire scattergram, it is. So, good report. Let's they need get it. into it. So, Norbert, welcome again to Manufacturing Talk Radio. We appreciate you being here. And by the way, for our listeners, the scattergram in this report is available to you if you will participate in the survey. Um, it's two simple questions. They email them to you, bang, bang, you're done, and you get two reports out of it. They're really valuable. So we encourage our manufacturers to participate in the report. Norbert, welcome again. Thank you. Good to be with you. And, Lou, as far as Brazil is concerned, you're right. They were the highest. Uh, Second only is Chicago. Uh, And uh, I'm not sure I can figure out how either of those got to that level, except usually the way you get to a very high level is to have a string of bad months in front of it. Um, Right. Right. Well, Brazil has had a string of years. Brazil has had a string of years behind them. Yeah. Yeah, but it's good good to see. And uh, yeah, so yeah. I think we got a very interesting report, as you said. Uh, uh, all everything's flying north for the winter. Uh, it's supposed to go the other way, um, but we we like it better going north on these charts than we do on the uh, on the southern excursions. So uh, Brazil's up around where Minnesota would be on the map uh, in terms of in terms of uh, uh, what's what's happening there. So that's positive. But there's also a uh, left side and right side of the uh, scattergram itself. And if you're on the left side, you're uh, weakening. If you're on the right side, you're strengthening. And so I think uh, uh, 10 or 11 of the countries were uh, both expanding and strengthening, which is really what we want to see. So it's the the intersection of the two points that really uh, uh, really gets us excited. And uh, this is just just another good month uh, uh, for most of uh, most of the countries around the world. Those that are struggling are ones that have been struggling. South Korea has not uh, been able to really gather any momentum through uh, the recovery and so on. Uh, We also have uh, Japan, 
uh, same thing. Uh, their economies uh, uh, are tight. And they're they're not open uh, and able to uh, change that much. Japan is in the midst of adding China or taking China out of their supply base uh, or or being a supplier to them. Uh, uh, they have had the uh, same problems with China that we've had. So uh, good to see uh, others reacting to that. Mm, right. Mexico is the new Brazil. Right. Yeah, that's where I was going, Lou. I'm surprised <laughs> Mexico, with all of the reshoring coming out of China, isn't booming. Yeah, well, Mexico is all about the virus. Uh, they've shut down. Uh, they've, it's been very bad. And they've shut down an awful lot of facilities and so on. So it's it's more about facilities that aren't open than it is uh, about lack of uh, lack of orders. Uh, uh, they can't get the facilities open. Well, that makes sense. That makes sense. So in the overall Norbert, why don't we start marching through? And I'd love to have you cover Europe first. I know Germany seems to be leading the charge, but I'm real interested. You know, we talk about Brexit often, and now Boris Johnson is saying, prepare for a hard Brexit. What's that likely to do to the U.K. economy, really? I know what the pundits are saying, but what's it really likely to do? Uh, Well, these things are almost always worse in theory than they are in practice. (laughs) Right. uh, And I think that... uh, uh, you know, uh, the the other thing that uh, we, we've gotten, uh, it's going to be hard to have this discussion this week without talking about politics a little bit. But uh, from a political sense, uh, I, I think we've gotten to where we, we make it very difficult for politicians to negotiate. Uh, that uh, Things that they're said, everybody wants them cast in concrete as opposed to giving them some latitude and saying, okay, uh, we want to do that. So I'm I'm going to make the assumption that Mr. Johnson is really doing some negotiation. And, uh, you know, it, it's to Europe's best interest for uh, the European uh, uh, Union and for uh, the British Empire to get along and to trade with each other and to be continuing to rely on each other. But uh, they also have to do a lot of talking and jawboning and so on through all of this process. And I don't think it's going to be as bad as uh, as, as many do because I, I think there's a lot of uh, uh, a lot of discussion that's going on that uh, is puff more than anything else. Yeah, that's probably right. I would agree with that. Luke, we're used to puff. Yeah, we're used to a lot of puff. Well, as you know, in in negotiation, you you don't start out with exactly what you want. Uh, You start at some other level and and try to uh, narrow in to to what you want. but it's gotten so bad that uh, the politicians don't have a lot of leeway. Almost anything they say can and will be used against them. <laughs> That's true, and it, it's been like that now for a while. 
Yeah, and I don't see any signs of uh, improvement in that. Uh, uh, barring one party or the other making a full sweep in the election process. And even then, it probably wouldn't be easy. Probably not. So what is happening with Europe and COVID and the economy, their economy? Uh, Their economy, uh, you know, the Eurozone came in at 53.7 this month. Uh, That was up 4.4 from the, the prior month. Uh, so that that's a pretty good uh, reading for the eurozone. And in fact, uh, it's let me see uh, the uh, it's the best month they've had in in, in months. And so even while they're, uh, the the virus is a challenge for them, uh, you know uh, they've taken a different tact in terms of uh, lockdown and, and so on. And, uh, you know, I don't think I don't think there's a clear winner on, uh, you know, there's the high road and the low road uh, with, with the regard to the virus. And I, I don't think there's a clear winner as to which one is, uh, is absolutely the best. I think that they have to tie things together. Uh, and uh, they really need, uh, you know, a crystal ball that tells them uh, when they're going to get through some of these things. Otherwise, they're going to continue to struggle uh, from the standpoint of uh, business activity in terms of manufacturing and services. Yeah, I think that's certainly true. Um, it's <laughs> Let me ask you this. Uh, our economy seems to be doing well, according to the Institute for Supply Management. Um, but as Tim Fiore mentioned in his latest report, we're not at pre-COVID levels by any means, but we're, we're recovering well. Uh, yeah, are these I, other economies recovering well also, Robert? Well, we have to keep in mind one of the nuances. Uh, you can't look at... Uh, Let's say manufacturing in. Uh, let me let me pull up a real live example. Okay, if we go to October uh, September of 19, and uh, the PMI is at 48.2, uh, and then we go to September of uh, 20, and the PMI is at 55.4. Uh, so it's kind of hard to convince me that things aren't better now than they than they were then. Uh, whether they're that much better is is relative to the month before. It's not relative to what happened 12 months ago. So uh, I, when we if if we say things aren't uh, aren't really as strong as they were. Uh, you know, it's at what level, what's our basis of comparison? Uh, that's where I would go to the employment report and uh, those government uh, uh, indexes that uh, to, to look and see what's happening. We know the housing market, for instance, is probably five times better this month than it was 12 months ago. And right, so, right, uh, that's it's kind of, it's hard to make that call based on that. And 
That's why I think uh, this data is much better from a forecasting standpoint than it is trying to tell us uh, what happened in, in the past. Does that make sense to you? Sure. The, there's just one comment I'd like to make that I've been uh, sort of observing. You know, these numbers for these reports are, in, a, in totality, they're great. Uh, but there are many industries that make up these these numbers. So of the fifty, of the, um, the what's our number today? Uh, we're fifty-seven something. Fifty. ISM. In, in manufacturing, we're fifty-five-four. Fifty-five-four. Yeah. But if you break down, if you break down the industries, some industries are doing better and some are doing worse. The heavy industry, uh, heavy machinery business and uh, so on, they're not doing quite as well because companies are not making uh, in capital investments. Capital investments are not doing well. So they're not buying a lot of the uh, heavy equipment, metal equipment and so on. So it depends on which part of the supply, uh, supply chain that you're talking about. Um, because I, I know in our uh, particular industry, All Metals and Forge Group, which is a metals forging company, the, the forge shops are very few forge shops are doing doing well. Uh, there's one or two that I know are doing extremely well. I won't share their name for obvious reasons. But uh, again, the uh, I'm concerned about the heavy industry in man, on the manufacturing side. Uh, and, comment on that? Yeah, I, I think uh, obviously it, it certainly hits close to home for you as to what's happening with that. Uh, you know, there, there's two different uh, industry classifications that are involved uh, mainly for for your business. That's primary metals, uh, which is basically the the, the core stock and, and that type of thing, the right. basic. Uh, metals that are used uh and if you look at that category uh uh aluminum has for many years been the darling of the primary metal right. business and steel follows me in behind that it, uh, and so on copper uh is one of the big indicators and and right now when i look at aluminum uh that business has not recovered uh, the copper business has shown uh, a little sign of recovering, but not not that significantly. So uh, we, we've got to see something happen there where demand picks up for aluminum, copper, uh, you know, and then we get to fabricated metals where you are, and uh, that's dependent upon uh, investment, as you say, heavy iron, uh, the mm-hmm. The companies that uh, the, that we know, like John Deere and Caterpillar, and so on, that are uh, trying to uh, try, trying to to come up with new products, and they're doing some of that. Uh, I'm I'm still, uh, you know, there's no way the aluminum industry can come back without the aircraft industry coming back. Uh, you got that right. Because that's where the, the well, that's where the money is, right? And, and the volume and, and uh, aircraft quality aluminum, uh, 
uh, has to has to be. Uh, uh, you have to have strong demand for that in order to get the uh, the whole segment to take off. So, yeah, uh, I, I I try to divide things up this way, Lou. Uh, uh, there's uh, automobiles. There's housing. Uh, there's services. Uh, those are the major uh, areas right now that are doing well. Uh, but the automobiles, uh, you know, they're light weighting that. They're finding ways of using more and uh, uh, more aluminum, but uh, uh, but also stronger aluminum, et cetera. So uh, they're they're not they're not producing the heavy product that they once did. Uh, so th- those, uh, and along with the consumer, are really carrying the economy right now. That doesn't do you a lot of good for uh, industries like plastic and rubber products. Uh, not not strong there. You're not strong in uh, appliances and electronics, and except appliances as it relates to housing. Uh, so you got to have that. Uh, you got to have that help from those other industries, and I think we're, this month we had uh, 15 out of 18 industries that were growing. Uh, frankly, to get to the numbers that we've got, we don't have a lot of industries that are growing very rapidly. It's it's more stability and uh, uh, more of the traditional industries that uh, that we're seeing from that, uh, but. Uh, generally, uh, you know, the old thing about a rising tide raises all boats. Um, <laughs> Not in this world. Uh, you know, uh, hopefully those, those things come in and we see more come from that. Uh, if if we, uh, you know, uh, move a lot of manufacturing back in the country, that will help some industries, uh, help others. I I think for everything that we find, you know, uh, I'm I'm really high on the idea of moving pharmaceuticals back to Puerto Rico, for instance. Uh, we have a lot of problems in Puerto Rico economically, and it would be great if we could move some of that industry. Uh, you know, my experience, and, and uh, you know that I spent a lot of years in manufacturing, uh, my experience is that... Uh, uh, a lot of what was moved offshore probably never should have been moved to begin with. It was uh, um, people were anticipating of well, if I can get manufacturing in China, I can uh, get into the China market. Well, if if you lost as much volume as you created, uh, you, you're now your supply chain's a whole heck of a lot longer, but you're not really. Uh, benefiting to, to the degree that you, that you thought you would. So, uh, mm-hmm. I think there's going to be a lot of a lot of people that uh, that will come back. There's going to be a bunch of others that uh, their supply chain is set up. Not going to happen. I, I think what will come out of this is uh, China, uh, uh, Taiwan, Singapore, South Korea, Japan. Those countries are going to reduce their dependence on China, and uh, they they won't 
come to the U.S. to buy the product. I don't think uh, even then they're going to manufacture it themselves because they have that capability. Mm-hmm. Well, it's pretty it's pretty clear Taiwan's likely to reduce their dependence on China because they may be attacked by China. <laughs> yes, yes. At yeah. any moment. You know, uh, I follow Taiwan very closely because uh, I helped them set up all of their uh, business survey uh, mechanism and so on and uh, um, made a number of trips to to Taiwan. I, I really like the country. I really like the people. Uh, and... Uh, 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 one of the things, if you've if you if you've not been to Taipei, one of the things that impressed me is you know the uh, the spiritual and political leader of Taiwan was Chiang Kai-shek. Um, in, in Taipei, the monuments there, there's one for uh, him, and then there's one for General MacArthur. The one for General MacArthur is significantly larger. Than the one for Chiang Kai-shek, which tells you how highly they regarded MacArthur. Yeah, <laughs> and and they how highly they regarded the U.S. dollar. Right. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, South America is Lou's favorite country is Brazil down there, but. You know, how is South America doing, particularly Brazil, that's getting slammed by the virus? Yeah, uh, well, as uh, Brazil goes, so goes the rest of uh, of South America. Uh, Brazil is usually going to have a better positioning uh, from that. Uh, and uh, they have had uh, the virus, and, and there's been a lot more uh, political issues about the virus in uh, South in, in in Brazil uh, because uh, uh, um, uh, we we often think Americans don't follow directions when it comes to some of these things, but uh, the Brazilians uh, uh, almost flaunted the fact that they didn't have to uh, do all the things and precautions and masks and uh et cetera that go with it uh hopefully they'll find when the vir- when the uh, uh medication is is finally distributed and uh so on uh, that uh there's a a place for them to to uh to do that and fall in line with it so they can reduce that uh, but again there's so much bad information about uh what really is possible with the virus? Uh, when when do we reach herd immunity? Uh, I, I, for instance, I've heard a number of people say that uh, you have to get to 85 uh, percent immunity in order to get the herd immunity wiped out the balance of it. I've also read papers that have come out that 50 uh, percent. If you can get the uh, overall population to 50%, that herd immunity will take over and wipe out the rest of it based on what we know about viruses. I, I don't know which one to believe or, or whether there's uh, probably another theory that will come out before long uh, that we do that. So, I, you know, uh, 
South America has a lot of uh, wonderful countries, but they also uh, don't uh, don't always do what the uh, what what really helps them in the world marketplace. One of the things that uh, just to digress for a moment, one of the things that uh, we watch out for as an indicator for. Uh, heavy manufacturing, going back to that again, you'll forgive me, is that we watch the oil prices. And even though oil is becoming a lesser and lesser uh, resource, it's it's not going to fade away anytime soon, but when the price of oil is at $41, as of, I think, yesterday, uh, that's not a good indicator for for heavy manufacturing, for automotive, and so on. Uh, it's, it seems to be that when oil is in the 50s, it's approaching a sweet spot for heavy manufacturing. So, I, and I've been sort of watching that number for a very long time, and it seems seems to hold up. When you know, I was rooting for $70 oil a couple of years ago. <laughs> <laughs> uh. My first experience in the oil market was in 1973, mm. and I've really followed it since that time. And you're right, 41 is the most recent high because there were a lot of numbers in the 30s on a monthly basis where we could see see that right. happening. Uh, you've got, uh, you know, Exxon has always been the market leader and uh, in terms of uh, uh, capability and what they're going to do. And Exxon is trying to to invest to be able to uh, get, move away from a petroleum base, move to other uh, possible uh, fuels and that type of thing. Um, the you know I, I've heard uh, I've heard uh, uh, politicians say that we now have uh, created solar and wind that is cheaper than uh, uh, oil or gas. And so green energy is going to take over. Uh, I'm not directly in the marketplace, so I I, I can't answer that necessarily, but I I find it hard to believe that uh, when oil is down at $40, on a cost per MMBTU basis, and, and comparing that to electricity on a, uh, a KWH basis, I, I find it hard to believe that oil uh, would be more expensive than uh, wind or, or solar. Uh, right. That's because the spread has been that they have been as much as five times higher than oil or gas, so uh, hard, hard to, to buy into that. I'm with you at the $50 level. Uh, I, I think mm-hmm. uh, I think uh, oil prices below $50 are detrimental to the overall economy because we don't get the investment, we don't get the capital expansion that, uh, you know, the, the oil industry is the one uh, re- remember the, the last administration's uh, uh, shovel-ready jobs, which uh, mm-hmm. they rely on. 
I knew when they first said shovel-ready jobs, there are no shovel-ready jobs. But uh, the oil industry is one of the industries that can invest faster than almost any of the others. Uh, the the way they invest in offshore platforms and fracking and uh, and those types of things, uh, they can they can spend a lot of capital fairly quick, and it helps drive. And we really need petroleum to be in that list of. Uh, uh, industries that I mentioned in terms of automotive, housing, etc. Uh, petroleum, if you could add that to it, the econ- our economy would be a, a dramatically different story. Mm-hmm. My my concern is what will happen, and it will happen. The time is coming where um, the alternate uh, energy resources are going to. Uh, I don't know about replace oil, but uh, get it to a point where oil is so cheap that uh, people just continue using it because it's so cheap. Uh, but the expansion of technology is getting cheaper all the time. So there's, it's, it's interesting as to what's going to wind up being the predominant uh, resource uh, for uh, electricity and uh, engines and so on. Yeah. Uh, I, I would tell you with the years of experience that I've got in the energy business and, uh, you know, the, the things I know about it, you never mm-hmm. want to focus only on one or two of those opportunities. You want to have gas. You want to have oil. You want to have electricity. You want to have solar. You want to have wind. Uh, our, our best strength uh, historically says uh, that having flexibility in energy is the safest bet. Don't bet your money on any one. Mm, right. Makes sense. Makes sense. Well, Norbert, why don't you give us a quick summary of what things looked like uh, or looked like last month and what they might look like this month uh, as we wrap up this segment. Okay. Uh, let's start with the, the Eurozone we talked about. The index was at 53.7. Uh, the only uh, negative uh, out of that, in fact, uh, we, we didn't have a uh, anything below 50 uh, for uh, the Eurozone. Uh, that's the first time that's done that in a, a number of months. Uh, and so, uh, though they have problems, uh, I, I think they'll work their way through it. I think fundamentally, uh, they're not going to do great, but they're not going to do poorly either from that. So, glad to see that happening. Uh, in terms of Asia, uh, the two China surveys, uh, one uh, was uh, the Kai Shin, and it was at 53, and the CFLP was at 51.5. We don't get a lot of variation out of China, uh, but that says that uh, their economy is holding up and uh, continuing to expand, uh, though uh, it's at the more traditional rates that we've seen out of China from that. Uh, India crossed the uh, 50 mark in, uh, uh, in August, and uh, will continue, I think, to hold up. Uh, they're 53 uh, 
Let's see, India 54.8, so things are looking better. Uh, I've got a couple of young uh, gentlemen that have worked with me in the past that uh, have returned to India. uh, Of course, the virus has been terrible for them, but uh, they've gotten back to work. They've kind of kept things uh, opening up, uh, and so they're looking better there. Uh, Mexico, we talked about Taiwan. Uh, Australia has been right around the 50 mark recently, uh, but they came in at 50.5, which is a, a positive uh, uh, going forward for for them. Then the balance of Asia, uh, what they call the ASEA seven countries, uh, that has. Uh, uh, been lagging and it's below 50 and probably will continue. Singapore was at 48 uh, uh, this month, uh, so we'll continue to see that. Uh, as far as uh, the rest of the globe is concerned, uh, just some uh, random uh, thoughts. Uh, Germany in particular is at 56.4, and Germany lagged the rest of Europe. So uh, that that's a, a positive uh, from that. So all in all, I think things uh, look uh, pretty good. I expect them to continue, uh, barring any uh, great uh, disasters or whatever. Uh, so I, I think we can look forward to next month being uh, close to this month, if not better. I'm going to keep my eye on Earl. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> That's right. Watch uh, those oil numbers. Right. Norbert, uh, it's good talking to you again. Uh, good report. And uh, we'll be talking to you next month. Tim? Thanks, Lou. Uh, Norbert, always a pleasure to have you on the show. Thank you. My pleasure. And we'll be talking with Norbert Orr, who's the Director of Industry Surveys for Strategus Research Partners. Again, next month he joins us every month to talk about the Institute for Supply Management or the Purchasing Managers Index numbers outside the U.S., around the world, and some spot places like Dallas, Milwaukee, Chicago. Those regional numbers are also very important. If you would like to get more information on that, you can go to our e-zine, manufacturingoutlook.com. And very shortly, we will be publishing the October issue that has these numbers in it. And you can also go to jacketmediaco.com for any of our podcasts, including this one, Manufacturing Talk Radio, the WAM podcast about women in manufacturing and business, full-time with Amy Nicholas, who is talking about that delicate work-life balance, Hazard Girls, which speaks about women in unusual roles in industry. Manufacturing Matters with Cliff Waldman talks about the economy and manufacturing, important subjects there. And where's Willie? William Miller traveling the country talking to us from factory floors or talking with people on the factory floor about what is happening on the factory floor. Very good shows. And thank you, everyone, for listening to this episode of Manufacturing Talk Radio. Thanks for joining us on Manufacturing Talk Radio. You can hear our next broadcast each Tuesday at 1 p.m. Eastern Standard Time at mfgtalkradio.com.
This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.